Well, after Brother Raymond's prayer, I, let's just have communion and go home. I mean, that was it. That was it. He prayed my message. So it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for taking us God's presence and that. Everything's under good or by prayer we do here. But to help us find our focus at the beginning of this year, we are still in January, last Sunday in January, we've been looking at the life of Jesus. It's just that video was showing. And we're looking at how Jesus grew in favor. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And today, his favor with man. Jesus had a lot of favor with man. When you read the Gospels, you'll see that how much favor Jesus had with man. He grew in favor with man through his love. Through his love, especially his love for the outcasts, the vulnerable, the untouchables of society and how much he loved them. Those who were supposedly kind of cursed by God and the, and the sinners, that's who he would love. He had incredible meals of fellowship. He would invite the supposed sinners into these meals and dine with them. In fact, one of his disciples, one of his followers, one he called to be his disciple and one whose testimony was not even valid in the court of law, wrote the gospel according to Matthew because Jesus loved him and spent time with him. Jesus grew in favor of man through his love. Jesus grew in favor through his teaching. What incredible teaching Jesus had. He was so popular in his teaching, people hanging on to every word, that one time his pulpit was actually a boat. The crowds are so pressing upon him. He had to hop in a boat, go a little ways out to shore so they wouldn't press upon him to be able to teach him. His teaching was so popular that one time the, the house was so full of people, they literally had to tear the roof off the house, right? Talk about a house party. With that one. Sorry, folks, but wake you up. Just check you there. He also grew in favor through healing, through healing, and his healing there. I love the moment where one of the untouchables, with one who should not have been even in the town or the city, a leper, came to Jesus and he fell down at the feet of Jesus. And he should not have been anywhere near people. People seeing a leper thought, well, obviously he has sinned or his parents have sinned. He is a curse of God, untouchable, should not be them. And he actually didn't even come into the city, come into the crowd. He actually came right up to the miracle worker, the great rabbi, the teacher, Jesus, and knelt down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean, if you're willing. And I love the fact that Jesus, when he healed him, when he healed him, he touched him. He touched him. He didn't just speak the word, just saying, yeah, be healed. And he definitely didn't rebuke him for coming in there, but he touched to show he was willing. And he made the man clean, more importantly, on the heart, not just on the outside. Well, we want to grow in favor with man by reaching, by touching, by touching those. And we want to touch lives. We want to touch lives and a powerful section of Scripture. If you want to go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 4, or use your phone to find that, as Brother Raymond was reading for us and praying earlier. Powerful section of Scripture that talks about uh, the vision for God's church. We want to grow in favor with man through the vision that Rolling Hills Community Church has for our church. We're going to see in here how our relationship should be with God as a church and our relationship should be with society. We have a clear and concise vision at Rolling Hills Community Church. I'd like you to say it with me here of our, visions, our vision statement here. Rolling Hills Community Church is a people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. Let's do it one more time here. One more time. This is our vision. is the short one. It's the easy to memorize one. Maybe we can memorize that today. I even have hand motions for it. I don't know if anyone else has done this before. Okay? Here's the hand movements that I came up with. Maybe someone else has done this before. Okay? Rolling Hills Community Church is a people of God reaching out, Growing up, giving all, giving all, right there. So that's the vision of it. We want to grow in favor by we are a people of God. And we see that here at the beginning in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 4 through 5. And we'll go ahead and go through 4 through 8. And we'll have up on the screen just a little bit, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, that of course is Jesus, 
a living stone rejected by men and in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they do not, because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. As we come to Jesus, this is daily come to Jesus, we draw closer to Jesus, fall more in love with Jesus as we follow Jesus' example and spend that time in relationship with him. We together are built up as a church. Jesus is called the living stone because he was risen from the dead. He was resurrected from the dead. So he is a living stone of the holy spiritual house that we are part of, of God's temple. The religious leaders rejected Jesus by killing him on the cross, but Jesus rose him from the dead. And he's a living stone, and we, the spiritual house or the temple, we take our shape, our direction, our form from Jesus being the cornerstone. He is the first living stone. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone for everything that we do. All other stones are connected to and go from the direction of that cornerstone or built upon Jesus. That is what Rolling Hills is built upon, Jesus as the cornerstone. We take our direction and our shape and our purpose from Jesus, our living stone. And the purpose of the church is summed up here to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Spiritual sacrifices, anything, anything that's pleasing to God. When we worship, when we serve, when we, when we are teaching, when we are sharing others the good news and sharing the gospel, this is that spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God. And it's a spiritual sacrifice because the Holy Spirit enables us to do it because we were the stones of heart. We had hearts of stone and now we have living hearts and we are alive and animated by the Holy Spirit. And those who disbelieve stumble over the stone who is Jesus. They trip and fall because they disobey the word. They don't accept the gospel, and they do it to their own demise. I hope, I hope you are trusting in Jesus. One chapter over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we have a summary of this good news of the gospel of the word of God, which is here on your screen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus suffered once for sin, so you don't have to suffer for your rebellion, for your separation from God. He did it once for you. He died for you. He was actually separated from his father after his death. But he was the righteous one. Always had a right relationship with his father. Always had a right relationship with others. Jesus lived the life that none of us could live because we were the unrighteous but he was the righteous one, that he, he did all of this, that he might bring us to God, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, the living stone when he was resurrected from the dead to prove it is all true. It was all acceptable that Jesus lived for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Trust in Jesus, have a right relationship with God, a right relationship with others. I hope, I hope everyone in here has done that or will do that. Trust in Jesus. I'd love to talk to you about that later, Pastor Nick or others here. We'd love to talk about what the Lord may be doing in your life. If you would like to just kind of know more about this and hear more about the good news and respond to that. I hope you trusted in Jesus. I hope you've taken your next step and made your trusting in Jesus public 
and you do that through baptism. We would love to have a baptism here in the Trout Theater before we move, and we have more baptisms in our future campus. That is your moment to tell your friends, to tell your families that you are trusting in Jesus, that he lived for you, died for you, rose for you. Take that next step. And if you have trusted in Jesus or trusting in Jesus, if you have been baptized, I hope you take that next step and partner with us. In fact, next Sunday we have a partnership class. We'd love for you to join with us up at the church office to learn more about what it is, Rolling Hills Community Church, to be a people of God, reaching out, growing up, and giving all, and then to sign that covenant and say, this is where God wants me to partner and be a part of what God's doing here through the church at Rolling Hills Community Church. To do that, use your phone, use your computer, whatever. You can easily sign up for it. Go to the church's website, Next Steps Baptism, or Next Steps Partnership, and you can fill out a form, and we know you're coming. We'll feed you. We'll feed you next Sunday as well. We'd love to have you up at that house. I hope you take that next step. But Rolling Hills Community Church, a people of God, the next point of our vision statement is reaching out. We are reaching out. We are reaching out. Let's read about this reaching out here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I, I love that. That's a powerful section of scripture. One I encourage you to meditate on, to hopefully memorize as well, to realize who we are as God's people. Chosen race. God chose us. We didn't choose God. We responded to God's choice of God saving us. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are God's representatives on the earth. We are mirrors of God. We reflect God to society as we bestow the blessings of God to, a, to the culture around us, to the people around us. This royal priesthood, a holy nation, we are set apart, distinct for God's special purpose. And I love the one right here What it says, a people of his own possession. What this is referring to is the king, the king back in the day, the king basically kind of owned and managed the land. And he had vassals, he had people underneath him who would pay taxes or give us some of their crops. But the king was basically kind of the, the owner of the whole land. But yet a king would have a private purse, his own private purse. He'd have his own treasure, his own treasure. And what he would do with his own treasure is he could do whatever he wanted to with it. It was his possession, his own private purse. We... We being the church, we are God's private purse. God owns the whole world. He owns the whole universe. He created it. But we are God's private possession, his private purse. He can do whatever he wants to with it. it, it it's similar in a much smaller way like this. Like Casey and I are doing the Dave Ramsey, the smart dollar envelope system. So whenever we get paid, I usually am the one who goes to the bank. I take out the cash. We have so much cash for grocery, so much cash for entertainment, so much cash for personal. And I give like 95% of it to Casey. Casey's the one who carries that cash. Casey gets all the cash. She may have just said an amen. I don't know. But she holds on to the cash. And what do I get out of it? What do I get in my private purse or my wallet? I wish it was 100 or I wish it was 50. I get, I get 10 bucks. I get 10 bucks to last for two weeks. I can buy like two and a half coffees. I can buy some mint or some gums. But I can do whatever I want to with that 10 bucks. I don't have to ask anyone's permission for that. That is my $10. But we, we as the church, God does whatever he wants to do with us. We are his possession, his private purse to be on his mission display, his glory. Uh, the purpose 
of all of this right here is it says that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you to darkness into the marvelous light. We're to praise God, worship God, bring God's glory, point others to God through our relationship, through the light of it. And I love here, this is how salvation is, and the salvation is described as this, bringing us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't know about you, but that's how I experienced it. I can relate to that. I was running from God, fearing God. Uh, I did not have a right relationship with God. I didn't have a right relationship with others. I was in the kingdom of darkness. But God, the God who spoke light into the darkness and separated the lightness from the dark, spoke into my heart and said, let there be light. And I'm so grateful for that. So now I'm out of that darkness and we are into his marvelous light, God has done this. We are God's light bearers of love and goodness and greatness. And it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but you now receive mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? God's wrath. What do we receive? God's favor, God's blessing because of him speaking the light into the darkness, into him saving us. And we are the people of God. God loved us so much he sent his son and now we are on mission and we want to love others. And I like how Jesus sums this all up here. He sums up uh, what we are to be, the great commandment as we have Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus sums it all up right there. All of it is summed up in that. It's all about love and priorities and purposes. We are all to love God with all everything that we are, our whole being, because God loved us first and spoke that light and that love and that salvation to our hearts. So we in return love God first, but then with the love of God we received, we love others. We love others with God's love that we have received. And don't forget, because we skip over that so much, there's a third love in there. You're to love yourself. You're to love yourself because you've experienced God's love. Don't forget that you are to love yourself and take care of yourself, but yet with the love that God has for you and the love that you, of God's love that you are displaying to others. It's that God first, others second, yourself third, or I've heard it summed up in this way, joy, joy, right? You have Jesus first, others second, yourself third, J-O-Y. You have that joy there. We need to have that in that proper perspective here. And as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's private purse, we're to reach out to glorify God by sharing the gospel. We are reaching out. We are sent. We are on mission, just like Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. You have your daily mission that you're to be a part of. When we gather here for corporate worship, this is a time of mission, a time of service, a time of worship, a time to be on mission, a time to invite others to hear of the gospel, to experience the love of God and hearing this. But you also have a daily mission in your workplace or where you, where you live or your neighbors or when you're out shopping. You are mission. You are the sent people for that. And I'd love for you to hear more about short-term mission opportunities. I love the fact that Justice and Mercy International, that was one of the great things. About, so much I heard about Rolling Hills Community Church, but I also loved hearing about Justice and Mercy International. That's very close to my heart. I love for you to go right after the worship service, right after communion, right outside these doors, and hear more short-term mission trip opportunities you can have with Justice and Mercy International. Go to Moldova. Go to Brazil. You're wondering how that is or the cost or what's all involved. There's sheets out there. You can talk to the big boss lady herself. Mary Catherine's in the house, and she'd like to meet you out there to tell you about Justice and Mercy National to be sent on short-term missions, but we are on a daily mission, daily mission. 
as well with this. And here we have this. We are a people of God reaching out, growing up. We're to grow up. We're to grow up as well. Verses 11 through 12 talk about this growing up. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that means that this is not our home. We're passing through it. Heaven is our home and the new earth, but we are, we are passing through this just like Abraham was. But he says, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We are living out the love of God, and we are on mission, and then hopefully it will bring others to salvation as well, with that by shining the light of the gospel as well. But when you become a Christian, you enter a war. I wish it was not so. But when you become a Christian, you actually enter a war, not war against society. We're not battling against the world. We're not at war with the world. We're not at war with society. How dare us to ever like point at the darkness and say, how dare you be dark? It can't help but be dark. We shine the light of God. We shine the love of God. We share the gospel. Don't blame society for being dark as we are sent on mission to seek and to save the lost and bring people hopefully out of that darkness and receive what we have so graciously but didn't deserve to receive. But yet our war is not against society. Our war is against our old selves. There's an old Patrick. There's an old Patrick who's been with me since I've been 19 years old. He knows me really, really, really well. Old Patrick, when he's scared, old Patrick will say, hey, this is what you should do when you're experiencing fear. When you think you deserve a reward, this is a good idea. Knows me very well, but thankfully there's a new Patrick and there's a new you as well with the Holy Spirit in you. We are battling against the old self. Old self naturally goes towards the darkness. Old self goes to what old self is used to doing when you're in that kingdom of darkness to not trust God, to not fear God, to not trust the body of believers, but to go maybe after what society is doing in that darkness. The Word of God says this in Romans 8.12. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will die live. You will live. Um, John Owen says of this verse, always be killing sin or it will be killing you. Sin's progressive. I, I, I wish it was destroyed. I wish it was gone, but I think it's there to drive us closer to God and more dependent on God. It will be destroyed someday when we go to heaven and the new earth and the new and the new heavens and all that, but for right now we battle against sin, and it's a progressive battle. If we are not battling against sin, it's progressive, and it will be killing you. But thankfully, you don't do this on your own. You don't have the power to battle against your old self. The key to the entire verse is right there in the middle. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit's the only adequate power that we have to battle against our old self. How do you tap into the Holy Spirit? How do you use the power of the Holy Spirit? To battle against the old self. It's still it's not something that you muster up inside yourself. You have that, but how do you access it? How do you tap it? You do it through spiritual practices. What Pastor Jeff shared about last week. With Bible study and memorization and meditation. Living a simple life and stewardship and serve it. To be of those spiritual practices, that's how we tap into the Spirit of God. Like reading the Bible should be like number one in prayer. Meat and potatoes should be Bible study and prayer. 
uh, but it's not just about the reading. For instance, like, I'm actually literally thirsty. I was planning on an object lesson, but I do thirst right now. Uh, Casey got me a nice little gift from the boys. She got this from uh, Pipe, oh, Piper Lou. She got it from Piper Lou. I can't read that little font. Uh, like Pastor Nick, I need probably a checkup because of the progressive lenses and all that. But Paper Lou, she got this, and it's engraved here. I love this. It's a Christmas gift. Dear Dad, thanks for being my dad. If I had a different dad, I would punch him in the face and go find you. <laughs> love Caleb in Princeton. You can see Casey, Casey's kind of humor with that there. But I love this, and I love reading it, and it's neat to read that, and it does my heart good. But when I'm thirsty... Just reading that's not going to help me with my thirst. And what I have in here is coffee. I, I need a little bit of caffeine at this moment, right? Now my thirst is gone. Now I have a tiny bit more caffeine. I had a little too much coffee this morning. But what I do with this cup is not just read it and say, that's so nice. I need what's inside to satisfy and quench my thirst and to energize me with the caffeine that's in there. Just like when you go to God's Word, you do any of the spiritual practices, you're, you're not doing it just to check it off of a reading plan. You're not just praying for the sake of praying. You're doing it to tap into the Holy Spirit. You're doing it to experience God in a greater way by doing these spiritual practices. And it's the only adequate way to battle against the old self. When you are thirsty, the world's going to say, this will quench your thirst. When you want to be energized or excited, it's going to say, this, your old self, like this is going to energize you. No, only the Holy Spirit will, will satisfy that thirst and truly energize you when you experience God. And we do that through these spiritual practices. And it's a practice practice thankfully we don't perfect it we practice it we learn it how are you doing in your bible reading maybe this year you set out january 1 i'm going to read through the bible this year and you're doing pretty good for a week or two but how are you doing right now if you kind of missed a couple of days you're getting behind are you thinking about maybe giving up no pick it back up pick it back up if it takes you three years to read through the whole bible so be it do it if you want to read through the new testament if you read through just the gospels or psalms do it a little bit at a time if it's difficult for you to read for like an hour and memorize and meditate or 30 minutes five minutes tomorrow morning get up and read a god's word and pray five minutes and then the next day maybe go for another five or six or seven minutes practice it practice it habitually training to kind of get used to that and be proficient in it by habitual training i'd like to run well, okay, I'll say this. You can help me keep me accountable because the staff's going to do this. I wish, oh, anyways, I'm going to run in the rock and roll marathon. The staff's going to do that. They're even graciously, like, helping out the staff and encouraging it. I want, I'm not going to do the whole marathon, though. I'm not going to run in the whole marathon. I'm probably not even going to do the half marathon. I don't know if there's a 100-yard dash. Can you get, like, a blue ribbon for a 100-yard dash? But, no, I want to do some portion. I think there's a 5K, a 10K. Somewhere in there is my zone. But to do that, I need to start training. And I tried to do that before it got really cold. I was like, Nick's told, telling me about it. Like, I want to run. So I got this app that didn't really work. And I took off running, and I hurt myself. Because I ran. And Casey was warning me. She was warning me, don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. But I was like, oh, I got this. And I just took off. I ran too far. I could barely walk the next week. So that wasn't really good. What I really need to do is just go run for a few minutes or like one minute run, two minute walk. One minute run, two minute walk. And then a couple of days later, add on to it and add on to it. Just like we all need to be doing the spiritual practices. And I can use an app to do that. In fact, we got a Bible reading app. You can go to our, uh, the, net, the, the daily step of the Bible reading app. We even have it in print. Daily Step 2020 to help you with your Bible reading. Grab it downstairs or download our app and do that. And little by little, put it into practice so you can tap into the Spirit of God. 
to battle against the old self. Rolling Hills Community Church is a people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. Giving all. We want to be a people who are giving all. I love this here. Uh, Second Peter, we're going to close here with the last couple of verses. Verses 16 and 17 here when we're giving all. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Live in the freedom of a right relation with God and having forgiveness, but not as a license to sin. But live in that freedom of loving and loving God. It says here, honor everyone and honor the emperor. So the highest leaders of government society, a president or a governor or a mayor, whoever, you give the same respect and honor to that person as you would to someone selling the contributor, as you would to somebody who is taking too long in the checkout line. Dare even say it's someone who's being mean on social media. You don't have to respond in a certain way to those people. Honor. Honor everyone with that. Um, I'm, I am sure if Facebook existed, Peter would have mentioned Facebook here with the honoring thing. You know, how are you doing on your honoring of others, especially people who don't vote like you? You know, how do you, how do you respond to someone who's a capital R Republican, a capital D Democrat, or some other party, Green Party, Tea Party, whatever parties are out there? How do you, especially on social media, how are you treating them? The church, the early days of the church was composed of Jews and Gentiles put together. Talk about a divide. Talk about that. Talk about a difference that was brought into unity. Surely we can worship Republicans, Democrats, whatever. That is so tiny, tiny, tiny to the kingdom of God as sojourners that we are part of. We can worship together because it says here, love the brotherhood. We have a special bond for one another in here. Especially when we are worshiping together, people should experience the love of God, the love that we have for each other. We should be known by our love, which is God's love. We were gathered at moments like this. And he concludes here, or the biggest thing is we don't fear the emperor. We don't feel the, fear the president, the governor. We fear God. Awe, reverence, respect, devotion to God. In, in a much greater way, but similar to this, like when you were a child, you honored your parents and you loved your parents and you wanted, you wanted to obey your parents and respect your parents and have a relationship with them. In a much greater way, we do that for our heavenly Father, we want to please God and have a respect for God. And we began this with, we were living stones, just like Jesus, the resurrected Savior, is a living stone. And we end here living as servants of God, giving all. We're to be servants of God, giving all of our time, our talent, our treasure, to give all to God's kingdom-building activity that's at work through us. Uh, Take a next step. Take a next step and serve. Sir, Pastor Nick was already kind of hinting on this, but we are excited about what's coming up. You saw some pictures, the progression for our future campus, but it's not just excitement about paint and flooring and buildings. Those are tools. We're excited to go reach a new community, but yet still reach the community here at Belmont Heights and Belmont University and Lipscomb University. We need people to serve. You can take out your phone or you can go to the website and go under Next Step Serve and go ahead and do it. You can even say, I want more information about this because you need to be preparing for it and asking Lord, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Where should I be serving? And don't think, well, I'll wait until after we move. We need it now. We need to prepare now, especially for children. We need help for children. And thankfully, so it takes a while. You're not going to click on 
I want to work with children, and the next Sunday get plugged in. It's going to take a while. Where are you in your process of working with children? You've done your application references. Please take that next step and serve. And our vision, our vision of Rolling Hills Community Church, of people of God reaching out, growing up, and giving all, all of this is undergirded by prayer. It's all about prayer here. I love when we gather together as a staff on Mondays and Tuesdays and the emails go out to A6 and it goes out to church staff of all the prayer requests that we've been bringing in. We were praying for a while for one of our partners of our church, Warren Walp. Warren Walp, long-term partner of our church. Warren Walp had been hospitalized since the day after Thanksgiving through Christmas, through the new year, and thankfully the Lord healed Warren. The Lord healed Warren by calling him home and he went to heaven to be with the Lord. I was visiting with his mother uh, a little over a week ago, visiting in her apartment. Warren was 82 years old when he went home to be with the Lord. His mother is still living. His mother is 104 years old. Miss Walp, Miss Margaret Walp, 104 years old, independent living, has her own little apartment in Green Hills. And when I called her, I was like, Miss Walp, this is Pastor Patrick. And, she was, and I was asking about visiting. She's like, just please, yes, absolutely, please come over. I need to visit with you. She lost her only son. She's been outliving plenty of friends. She's been outliving family and now her only son. So I rushed over there immediately to go minister to, to go encourage Miss Walt, and she ministered to me. She encouraged me. She was telling me these incredible stories. What an incredible mind, but a lady of faith. She, has, she shared with me that she remembers the ending of World War I at three and a half years old. She remembers what was going on in the neighborhood when World War I ended. She was telling me about World War II and all this and her ministry. She was baptized in the 1909 sanctuary or building of Park Avenue Baptist Church. As a little girl, she rushed forward and ran down, wanted to be baptized. So what did they do? They had to move the choir out of the way and it was sort of like a cellar door. They had to open this door and there was the baptistry in the floor and she was baptized in that building. And she shared with me about uh, just a life of prayer, a life of ministry within Park Avenue Baptist Church. She shared, I love this story, that there used to be a bunch of Vanderbilt football players that came to Park Avenue. Probably around after World War II, I'm thinking, because they called themselves the Christ First Regiment. Christ First Regiment. A bunch of football players who were not wanting to be known for their studies or Vanderbilt or even playing for Vanderbilt football, which was better back then, the football team. But they wanted to be known about Christ First, Jesus First, the Christ First Regiment. And they were really concerned about one football player, uh, Philip Summerlay. Philip Summerlay. Philip Summerlay was a Vanderbilt football player but did not know the Lord was not coming to worship. So the Christ First Regiment made it a matter of praying for Phil. And they asked Park Avenue Baptist Church to pray for Phil as well. And you know what they did? You know what the church did for one lost Vanderbilt student? The church gathered together, I believe it was on a Friday evening, for 24 hours of prayer. People signed up for shifts one hour at a time, and they went to the 1932 Worship Center, where we will be in the future when we're worshiping and using that tool for prayer and for worship. And they prayed, prayed, prayed for Phil. A, a Warren Walp Sr., and Margaret Walt prayed from 1 to 2 in the morning for Phil, praying for Phil, praying for Phil. And then Sunday morning came. Phil came to worship. Phil came to worship. And Phil ended up sitting in the very back corner of the balcony, trying to get as far back as possible. He's there, but he's not really there, right? Arms crossed, sitting down, kind of just taking in the service, taking in the singing, taking in the worship. And the members, I'm sure, are, are, they're looking over at Phil, and they're hoping, will God answer their prayers? 
Will God answer their prayers? And the singing and, and the sharing of the gospel happens, and now the invitation hymn happens. About halfway through the invitation hymn, they're looking at Phil, they're like, oh, Lord, please save him. I was praying from 3 to 4 in the morning in here. I don't want to have to do that again. And Phil got up. And he went down forward. He made a public profession of faith in Jesus. And he trusted in Jesus for his salvation. That is what the church did for 24 hours for one lost college student. What are we going to do for one lost college student? Especially praying for them. What are we willing to serve and to be on mission as we're fulfilling our vision to seek and to save the lost. Yes, we're excited about the buildings being renovated and that tool, but we're much more excited for the people we are encountered as we are sent on mission to fulfill this vision to be a people of God reaching out, growing up, and giving all. What are you going to do to be a part of God's vision for that as we are reaching Sylvan Park and the nations? Oh, let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word here. We thank you for these scriptures. I'm just so encouraged when maybe I start thinking about who the church is and things like that. When we realize that who we are, we are chosen by you. A royal priesthood reflecting you, representing you. We are a, this holy nation of people set out and we belong to you. You possess us, oh Lord God, to be used according to however you would do that. To be used according to your will. Send us, Lord. Empower us, Lord, with your spirit. Drive us closer to you, closer to Jesus as we come more and more to Jesus, dependent on Jesus, Lord. Empower us with your Holy Spirit and give us a hunger and a thirst and desire that will only be satisfied by you as we go about practicing of these spiritual practices and growing closer to you so that we may represent your goodness and your greatness to the world. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the vision that you have for us. And we thank you for the power that's within us to accomplish your vision. As in Jesus of Nazareth, the one only Christ's name and his mighty name, we pray. Amen.